Welcome to this week's Monday meeting. Today is February 17th, 2020. Monday meetings are a chance for motion designers all over the world to connect and ask questions, share inspiration, or hear presentations and interact with industry leading artists on an equal playing field. Today, your host is myself, Liam Clisham, and our topic is who's calling the creative shots. Um, I'll post the link to the YouTube video in a moment, but I watched this video about a storyboard artist for Disney who just quit like last week. And she made a video about why she quit. And it's about like five minutes long, if I recall. But um, a lot of it was about how she felt creatively unsatisfied and dealing with executives and how it just really kind of sucks that suits are calling the shots when they have no background in creative. And I thought that might be an interesting topic for us about how we deal with our clients and are we compromising or are we trying to collaborate and things like that? Um, so yeah, I think that would be interesting. As always, if you have a question, please try to use the raise your hand function, which is located at the bottom of Zoom under participants. And there's a little button that says raise your hand. Um, if you aren't on a mic or whatever, you can also just type your question into the chat and we'll field them as properly as we can. And then also this call is recorded. So if you have any concerns about anything said today on the call, let us know and we will omit it from the audio and final release of this. Uh, just a couple opening topics. Campograph 2020, shout out to all the sponsors that are making it possible. Otoy, Maxon, Video Copilot, Minimal Massive, and aescripts.com just signed on as well. And just a reminder that tickets go on sale for general release on April 20th, 2020. If you were uh, a part of camp last year, you're going to have a, a pre-sale coming up, at, uh, I think, on March 20th, a month before. So get ready for that as well. Um, I think that's it. Looks like, Matt, you just shared the video into, yeah, from Cartoon Brew. So that's in the chat now. Um, anyone else have any cool opening topics before we get into it? No? Um, so yeah, I guess if you if you have a moment to watch that video while we're kind of getting rolling here, it's just very interesting to me how relatable it was to our industry about how exciting it is to get into animation or motion design and really feel like you're going to be this creative person. But then even within like six months of being in the industry, you kind of realize where you are on the totem pole and like getting shit on a little bit if you're just like new into the industry or if you know if you're trying to work your way up the ladder of like having to be kind of clicky with people and how it comes into a situation of people who are not qualified to be in higher positions making the decisions for these videos or movies in the case of disney um just she, she experienced that, you know, there are people that were super talented and should be showrunners for movies and projects, but they were getting passed up because they didn't play the, the game of befriending other people and networking and things like that. So Tom in sales then gets promoted into being a showrunner um, and overseeing the whole creative process, but they have no idea what they're doing, how animation works and all of that. So um, that's just kind of like a quick little synopsis of, of what the video is if you haven't had a, a chance to watch it. Um, so I kind of want to open it up just to see like, has anyone been in this situation before? Where do you guys fall in terms of trying to compromise with clients um and like who's who's calling creative shots like do you have a voice when you're working do you feel like you're just kind of pushing buttons as christo says being a brick layer and just kind of being there to do the work um so i'm gonna throw it out to people i guess penny since you're standing and active and i know you've been around la shops a lot do you have any opinion on this uh i have a lot of opinions on this and mostly sympathetic to her um, some of them, I don't know, not unsympathetic, but uh, I mean, like that industry is particularly um, more cog-like than ours, I think, uh, in a lot of ways. Like maybe there's some advertising 
or, you know, in-house stuff where we get a little bit in that kind of, you know, nine to five business job feel. Um, but I was always like struck by how people train to be like, you know, uh, a specialist that would go and work on a certain part of a thing on a certain part of a movie or whatever. And so, I mean, it's a little surprising that she was surprised by the lack of creative outlet. Um, I'm not saying I'm surprised. I mean, like, you know, she makes a point that like schools, art schools kind of sell the life of, uh, of a creative, of an artist. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, like I, I think you kind of have to expect if you're going to go to Disney, you're not going to have the creative freedom um, that you did in art school uh, to make whatever you want. Uh, but my experience is working for a studio of, uh, you know, 100, 140 people or something like that. And seeing all of the like, uh, it's not nepotism, but it's the like, are you friendly? Do you fit in uh, with the people who are in charge? And there were so many examples at Rooster Teeth of people who like, there was one guy who just didn't want to go home because he was having a bad home life. So he'd hang out and just drink. Um, like he would stay late to do work, but he'd also like leave like, you know, plastered and good. He would drink with like the higher ups. And this guy got more uh, employee of the month awards than like anyone. And it was always like, oh, you know, he, it was always, oh, he stayed late. You know, I'm not going to like name the guy, but like, you know, he's just putting in so much work and we want to really reward that behavior. And like, 80% of us that actually knew what was going on were like, this is incredible. Like he got two employee of the month awards in one month once. And it was like, it made no set from two different departments because they didn't really realize that he wasn't doing good work. Um, and then like we had an internal pitch thing where you could pitch ideas and it was the executive producer of like the whatever of the place that won the pitches all the time because he had like an audience with the head of animation. And so he would just pitch and he's like, oh, I, have, I have three things in, in production right now even though, but you can pitch too. And it was like, no, we can't compete with you always being in that position. And that guy was one of, and both of those guys did get fired in the end after all the craziness that went down. Um, so like, I think like, it's possible that I don't know her at all. I don't really know what her, you know, total experience was, but if you were having like a non-creative environment and you were seeing all these like chumps get raised up above you and like get put in power. I mean, I, I, I don't blame her at all for speaking out about this stuff. Yeah, totally. And like talking about that guy staying late and like, it's not like, it's one thing where it's home life and he's avoiding that situation. But when I, when I left discovery, I still kept in touch with a lot of people there and somebody above me, ended up working themselves into like a stroke because they, they felt so much pressure to like try and be the best and like have recognition and things like that. So uh, you're still unmuted, Penny. You can chime in whenever you want. Oh yeah. So, I just remembered you, you reminded me that someone at cloud Imperium had a heart attack or something and went into a coma for two months from working at that place. Uh, but I wanted to circle back around and I, and you reminded me of the point that I was going to make how I see it relating in our industry because we have smaller shops and like, you know, littler microcosms um, and a, you know, in general, like we don't do as much storytelling purely, you know? So, I mean, if you're being stifled trying to tell stories at Disney, I could see that being a different type of frustrating than us trying to like inject some kind of like fun story into, you know, a dub soap commercial or something like that. But the thing that I see here that I think mostly negative impact, negatively impacts, sorry guys, non-straight straight white males is a lot of studios, I keep hearing this from uh, a complaint from women in the industry or basically non-straight white males in the industry that they're told that they'll start at a shop um, and they're gonna, gonna see how they vibe, if they fit in with the vibe of the studio. And what ends up happening is I hear them talk about how like, well, I don't want to stay late and drink and, you know, play video games or ping pong or go out to the bar after or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is that is the, the culture of that shop. And it's like, because there's a particular cadre of, of guys that work in that place. And if you don't do that thing, you're at risk of not vibing. And maybe that's not a hundred percent true for the shop, but it definitely puts people who don't do that that's not their interest at risk. And they make them, it makes them feel separated. Um, so like, 
this idea that like, wait a minute, am I not going to uh, move up in the culture of this place because I don't particularly like the one activity of this shop? If that makes sense. I just want, okay, now I'm going to long time yeah. listener, take my answer off the air. <laughs> Uh, I totally feel that like when I, when I worked for discovery, there was a lot of, all right, tonight we're going to go out for drinks and hang out for another three hours. And I'm like, really? Cause I've got a fucking two hour commute. Like, I don't want to do that. And like, I almost feel like I missed out on a lot of the bonding there because of that. Like I, like when I'm, when I'm done with my day, I wanted to go home and like, be done with this place. So um, yeah, I totally relate to that. And like now mid thirties, like if I were to ever go back to a full-time place and it was like that kind of atmosphere, I like I, it would burn me out. Like there's no way that I could hang and play ping pong all night and do shit like that. And like, yeah. Um, so, Oh, Nick, you said you've dealt with this at Apple. Do you want to chime in on that? You can unmute and, yeah, it was, uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, it was, um, you know, I wasn't doing anything in this field when I was working for Apple. I was a creative while I was there for four years. Um, and it was just, you know, in a store, I was teaching one-on-one -on -one lessons uh, all day, every day. But yeah, that job was crazy. Um, there was just you have eight bosses <laughs> that all like to, uh, you know, know exactly where you are every minute of every day. Like if, you know, you're, if one appointment runs over two or three minutes and then you've got somebody literally breathing down your neck being like, you've got another student over here. And then, uh, afterwards though, um, it was that, that store was, there was probably like somewhere like a hundred employees in there. And, uh, yeah, it was very clicky. And, um, I was a little bit older than a lot of the crew that was in there. Um, a lot of the managers, uh, you know, everybody would just like to go, it was in a mall. So, I mean, it's like everybody would be like after work, we're going to go down to the standard or wherever and get, you know, flights of drinks and all that. And, um, it was a, it was a, it was a tough thing because I was never really a part of that because like you said, you know, I'm done with my day you know, I've got kids, I need to go home. Um, I can't just hang out after work and get hammered. And I definitely felt like I never really got uh, like in with a lot of people there, even though I was there for four years. Um, you know, like the one dude that I did meet there, uh, who's, you know, now 10 years later, my best friend, and I worked next to him. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a it was a very weird thing because I just like I mean so many of those people were really really tight and um definitely felt a little ostracized because I couldn't be going and like hanging out. It's not like I didn't want to, but like enough of the time I wasn't able to go and like participate in those after work things or like go to lunch with people um, and that sort of thing. And it definitely, uh, you know, it definitely had an impact. Like when I left that job, like I was the most like stressed, like mess <laughs> I've ever been in my life. So it was, um, you know, I'm glad that I got out, but yeah, the vibe thing is definitely like, I never felt like I really clicked with that company culture, um, completely. And it definitely had an impact on my, on my time there, uh, for sure. So, you know, that is what that is. Yeah. And like, I can, I can relate to that too, about being a little bit older because, I tried to go to college immediately after high school and just wanted to party and drink too much. So I ended up working retail and then around 2008 with the economy being so terrible, I was like, this sucks. I hate retail. And I went back to school, graduated in the, in 14. Is that right? That can't be right. Graduated. No. Yeah, I guess that's right. Um, but 
same deal. Like when I went to my internships and when I started like getting jobs and then moving into discovery, like I was always just like slightly a bit older than the people coming into it. And the, like the other creatives that were there, even though they had been there for a couple of years, it was just like, I still had this, I guess almost like stigma to it. Like, Oh, he's the older guy coming in a little bit. And um, yeah, it was kind of, it, it was kind of hard to, get into that atmosphere a little. Um, but I think a lot of it too is just like, like I was saying before is I, I didn't really make the effort to go out and drink every night cause I'm not going to go out and drink and then commute two hours back home. So that definitely destroys it too. Um, I guess like Mark or anyone, I, I'd love to hear from anyone else that's in house, especially like Mark, you came from Burton. I, like I kind of mm-hmm. wonder what it's like there for the in-house creative and all that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, just with my experience on certain things is that, well, I guess let me talk to that video first. Like, I think she raises great points and all that. And I think Penny really nailed it that like, if you're an animator and you're showing up at Disney, no matter I don't know. Like I would imagine you've got to really work hard and be there a long time to eventually move up the ranks and all that. And I mean, I think showing up to Disney and working there, you're obviously going to get a ton of experience and a wealth of knowledge and you kind of have to be okay with like sitting in the rank and file there just to gain that experience and whatnot as frustrating as it can be, you know, like, Um, I would imagine a machine that big just has so much red tape and so many layers and anyway, but speaking to my experience, it was similar. Um, and like, yes, we had creatives and stuff giving feedback on videos and animations and whatnot, which was fine. Uh, but also through my, my processing of it, I'm like, cool, like, you've never made a video, you're a graphic designer, how do you know about like pacing and why are you nitpicking cuts in this? Like, to me it was just like, why, I don't know. I'm not nitpicking your designs and pixel pushing logos around for you and you wouldn't take my criticism or feedback with, you know, really any weight. So why should I hold your feedback as high up as whatever, you know, but I will say on the inverse of that, it is good to have fresh eyes on things and it is good to have outside opinions and whatnot. I think really the core issue here is whether or not those opinions and feedback and whatnot should be able to trump you as a professional. And I think that ends up coming forward when, you know, you are being told this from, right from people higher up than you on the chain. I do, I don't know. I mean, I do have issue with, with someone say from like accounting telling you like, Oh, why are you doing it like this? It's like, well, what, like what? (laughs) That makes zero sense. Like you shouldn't, you know, like point taken, not, or what's the, what's the, Oh, I forget the little, the funny ass term, but it's like, uh, you know, noted, but like, we're not going to really put that feedback into action or like, I feel like anyone should have the ability to give feedback, but knowing that like, we will take that feedback with somewhat of a grain of salt and like, you're about 10% of like what that feedback should count of. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. It's Monday. Uh, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's good to have fresh eyes. It's good to have a fresh perspective, but at the same time, it's just, uh, you gotta, you gotta weigh how important that feedback may be. Or if it's, I, the worst for me was like, uh, you know, doing video editing work or whatever is someone who's like, I don't like the song. It's like, well, that's so subjective, you know, like, come on. And I would go through so many revisions, trying different songs. And it's like, no one fucking cares. Like if it's a good song, it's a good beat. It keeps the pace of the piece. Great. 
But like, I mean, what, we're going to nitpick over stock music, you know, come on. Um, and that's just stuff that I, I couldn't fucking stand. But uh, anyway. Yeah, I think Matthew said in the chat, uh, thanks, I'll take that under advisement. Is that the phrase or like some, like kind of like that? Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Um, feedback, feedback noted, not taken or something like that. It's, yeah. it's some version of that, but yeah. <laughs> um, Scott, I see you got your hand raised if you want to jump in. Yeah, so my first job coming out of school um, like like my first actual animation job was at an ad agency and that was like something that I was constantly dealing with where we'd be in our uh we'd be in our internal reviews going through these projects and yeah my creative director and all that stuff would be giving our notes we'd be taking those down but our account person who is only in like half of the email chains is trying to come in and give all of these criticisms to the project. And this is a person that's like, hasn't even touched the project and since the beginning, since they got the client, but they're coming through trying to change left and right. And yeah, like you said, it's just one of those things like, sure, I'm, I'm gonna listen to you. I wanna hear like your opinion, but the big problem was is like some of the higher ups of that company would take the accounts like opinion higher than our creative at some points. And it's just like, that's like, we're the creative department. This is our job is to make this decision. Like we don't come to you asking, Hey, how do you run the accounts? Like you, like, that's just like, we don't, yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. It's like, we each have our own specialization. Uh, when you try and push too far out of that, it doesn't help anybody. And that was a big problem I had at that job was there was no, there was no clear defining line. Like we didn't like, I, I tried in the beginning of saying, okay, well, we'll take that, to, we'll take that in mind and see what we can do and work with it. But it slowly kind of got pushed over where like we just had no say in it. And like we had to take this accounts person's word. And you know, that's, that's when you end up running around in circles on a project is when you keep trying to listen to somebody that's not involved and you know, 10, like 10 revisions in, like you're making changes that the account person wants but you know, like, hey, the client doesn't like this type of font or that doesn't like this kind of text treatment. Like you can't keep like doing it like that. And it's, it's really tough kind of like knowing like where that line stops. So I don't know, it's, it's a constant struggle because now that I'm working at a smaller shop that's much more like video production oriented, we don't really have that problem anymore because everybody knows like, hey, we're the video department. This is what we do. Like you kind of need to trust us on this. When we say, hey, this is, this is how it's going to work best, they, they take that and they listen to us. So it's, I, I personally know that I don't see myself as a full-time employee at an ad agency ever again, just because that, that kind of culture killed me. So yeah, that was, that was just my take on it. Yeah. And like something that you just said kind of made me think of like how much uh, producers are blessings, you know, because like at, at least in my experience, the producer is a really a good buffer and translator for talking to executives like if you ever have it's it only happened to me a couple times while i was at discovery that i'd be sitting at a desk and like someone higher than a producer would come over and be like hey what do you think about doing it this way um while if you have producers they they're usually good about translating that kind of stuff and finding a happy medium for artists and the executives but i've also been in mark's position too where it's like all right, you got a new producer on the job and they're now under the executive producer for this project and they are just like swinging away at anything. Like music, looks, they like they have no idea what they want. And I mean, we deal with that crap all the time. Um, and then when you try and give them creative feedback, even just like, hey, here's why we should make this asset smaller against this asset because then there'll be contrast and the viewer can dissect what's on screen better. They kind of just get, I I don't know, like doe-eyed or not, not doe-eyed, but like glassy-eyed a little bit and kind of just like glaze over and just stare at you and like, no, let's try this. And so, yeah, I guess my next question kind of going from the video is, is like how, how does everyone deal with that? You know, like, do you, 
I see Noah in the chat is saying like, usually asking why and like, is it for the wrong dem demographic and trying to get uh, an, an exclamation, or not an exclamation, but an explanation from the client about why they're doing something? Or do you try to just convince them straight away that like you're the creative professional and so you should be trusted? Um, like where's everyone stand on that? Do, do you try and force that you're the creative or do you try and compromise? Um, Scott, yeah, you're raising your hand again, so sure. Yeah, um, th this is just kind of relevant. So, so I'm like younger, I guess, compared to a lot of you guys. Uh, and I also started out, I didn't go to like a normal, sorry. Uh, I, I, so I, but I also didn't go to design school. I went out of uh, high school and then into trade school to study video stuff. So I was kind of starting out a little bit earlier than my friends that went to university, got their graphic design degrees. And a big problem I saw that they had coming out of school was the first time they were doing an internship. Uh, and they were so used to that art school mindset of, yeah, like, let's do everything. Let's try all these crazy things. And they just like, they couldn't handle the client, just keep like shooting down their, their ideas. And uh, it was a little bit rough to kind of like tell them initially, but you know, like with clients at certain points, like you can push them and say like, Hey, I think we should go in this direction. I think we should, try this out. I think this will look best. But when it comes to the end, if, and it's, it's a rough way of saying it, but you know what, if the client comes up to you and they insist to take a giant shit on your piece of work, then you know what, that's what they want. That's what they're going to get. So it's kind of like some, like you can do so much to like push your vision and try and make it something really good. But especially if you're getting paid for the client, they're paying for a product, like you're going to give them what they want. So it's kind of, yeah, that, that was just my take on it. Just cause I, I see a lot of my friends coming out of school and having a really tough time, like moving into that, like moving from art school where you have um, like unlimited creative potentials. You can do whatever you want to actually, when it comes to who's paying the bills, like that's, you kind of have to suck it up sometimes and do what they want. Yeah. I see Mark, you had your hand raised and I see a couple more popping up. So I'll start getting around to people. Yeah. I, I was just going to say like one thing that I think to keep in mind, what we're talking about here too, is that there's so many companies, agencies, studios or whatever, where like literally people's jobs are just to fucking chip in little feedback here and there, you know? So it's kind of like, they might not have feedback, but they need to say something because that's their job. You know, they're like middle management. They just need to feel like they're being involved in the process. So like commenting about fucking music or, you know, you know, shift the clip five frames this way. Like, is it going to really matter? No, but it's a, you know, it's a comment for them to make. So they're whatever relevant in the process, you know, and that's one thing that I remember dealing with uh, in-house at the places I worked. Is it just, you know, they have to, that middle manager, project manager, whatever needs to be relevant. So they'll chip in with, um, yeah, shitty ass feedback that just makes them sound like they're doing something. <laughs> yeah, totally. And yeah, if you've ever worked in corporate, you have seen how many fucking CCs there can be on an email. It's like, all right, it's going to Susie, who's, the EP on this project, but then it's going to Tom and Jane and so-and-so over somewhere else. And it's like, who, like who the fuck are all these people? They're not even like in our department. Why are they getting CC'd on this? Um, and then, yeah, somebody randomly on this, on the chain will just chime in. And it's like, you like, do you really have any stake in this other than being CC'd? Like I've never even seen you around the office. Um, so yeah, I think Ryan, you had your hand up too. Did you want to, jump in i say he lowered it but oh yeah <laughs> in, in class just like oh no because mark was kind of saying what i was saying um it, yeah in in my experience which is a lot more corporate um but i have dealt with that agencies where you know on on day one you've got your boards and you and like the most junior copywriter are just like and and i'm from more like editing too but <clears throat> where you're like hacking together and you have like a super productive day. And then as the project goes or as the day goes on, like more and more people are in the room. And um, it's funny cause that's when like that, the vibe starts to take over where it's like chat sessions happening behind you. And all of a sudden it's like, you're getting less and less productive cause they're talking about different projects. Anyway, um, 
And then it just starts getting more and more changed. And some places I've worked, it's like that are massive headaches or when it's like, there's no such thing as a bad idea. It's like maybe at like spitballing, but not when we're like putting it together. And it's like some of these things take a long time to do and we can't just tweak and render and you can't walk in and be like, oh, I saw this really cool thing. It was all neon on neon. And it's like, well, that is a different thing. Like we're not, we're not doing that right now. We like, let's just do what we were doing on the boards. And, um, and it goes through and goes through and goes through. And then finally like senior creative director comes in and has, and is like, what is happening? This is so you've deviated so much. And then their ultimate senior input is bringing it back to what you and the junior copywriter had at the beginning of the thing. But every time someone comes in, they just want their fingerprints on something. As, also, as like a young editor, I was doing demo reels and we'd end up putting everything on everyone's demo reel as them as the creative director on it because they got to put their input in. And sometimes you're dealing with people who are just trying to make it up their ranks or, or, have, or contribute in some way to be part of the team, to be part of the uh, we are stronger together, we make these things better by everyone having input that was part of some meeting that the actual designers weren't at, you know, it's like, that's the culture we're bringing where we don't do everything in separate boxes. We're a family to build things together. And that's how we make such great work, but it takes so long and sometimes takes away. Anyway, um, the last little thing I was going to say is just what we ended up starting to call it is peeing on the cake where you're able to build and build. And then uh, someone comes in and they're like, Oh, cool and then they mark their territory just to get their fingerprints on it. But then it's just like, well, now it is what it is. And it has to go out the door like that because someone who thinks pee on a cake is like a good thing. It's yours now. Like you own it now. Um, and then on the other side of it is now I'm like in all corporate world and I get handed PDFs, you know, that I rip apart. Um, oh yeah, someone was talking about having to rip InDesign. That's one thing that Affinity Designer is a lot quicker at. Just a little side note. Um, there's like an export module. Anyway, uh, is <laughs> there's a little bit of a, I know why the cage bird sings in when the art direction is just not at all what you would do, but it's also just out of your hands. And you just like, here's the box that you have to work in. What can you do with this to make it sing? And that's actually kind of a funner, more fun job for me. It's what a groove that I'm in now. But yeah, it's a totally different than, you know, Disney. Yeah, totally. And like, yeah, I mean, I, I really like the peeing on the cake situation because it, it does kind of feel that way at times where like, you're kind of jumping around from person to person and they're just kind of like putting their mark on it somehow trying to to get some kind of recognition with something even though like what is that recognition going to bring them other than like I guess moving up the ladder a little bit you know I guess just getting your name out there so um yeah, so I guess a lot of people are chiming in with the family thing too, or like Penny, you were saying, oh no, the family thing, come on, it's a job, family's at home. Yeah, like I, I get that too, and like it kind of stems back to like what Nick and I were talking about earlier a little bit with trying to fit into that mold there and um, and just like, I don't know, There's there, there needs to be a disconnect sometimes, I feel, so I just wanted to comment on that. Uh, no, you've got your hand raised. Yeah, hang on. Can you hear me? Yep. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit late because like a dummy, I didn't really realize about the participants thing. But uh, I was I was going to say that like over time, more and more kind of working directly with the, the clients, I've started to kind of have a different perspective on a lot of the stuff and just kind of try to not get frustrated or, or kind of work with them where they're 
where they're at and just understanding like most companies decisions are made in meetings it's not one person who's just like i made this decision this is how it is right you know like there's a board of directors and that's just the world that they that they come from and to try and kind of under, understand that and and work within it and i've kind of developed sort of like uh ways to look at it where I think about like trying to make people feel like heard and listened to, but trying to do that early in the process. So they're not going to like mess with it at the end and not kind of have the idea of like, this is the vision, but kind of look at it more as like, this is the process and try and make sure that like everyone kind of respects that process as we move through it. But it's, then it's not, it's not kind of like, me against them if that makes sense everyone kind of can contribute as long as it it's like sort of in an agreed upon way that makes sense with with the process so like in mark's example like for sure if someone's sending the it to the accountant to have notes on music like that why you know but like if the brand manager doesn't like the song, I think that's more legitimate because they're like, you know, I might be a creative expert in quotation marks, but I'm not the expert on their brand or their demographic or, you know, or sometimes even just like their boss who's got to sign off on it. And, you know, they might be picking their battles and knowing that like, we got to give the boss this one on the music so they're not going to mess with with another aspect and uh, yeah, I don't know. Just trying to like, but rather than like kind of fight it and get frustrated, I wanted to like try and just be a little more Zen and, and kind of like move the, the chess pieces, the chess pieces around. But I definitely found that if people feel hurt at the beginning and they kind of feel like it was their idea from the jump, it's harder for them to like contradict themselves down the road by giving that kind of annoying, feedback at the end yeah i like i always try and tell clients that too like when i like when i get into a project i always want to try and get in at the earliest place possible just because it's so much easier to hear everyone's input at the beginning and like what they are getting out of it than you know they've already had their meetings and then they're coming to you to make this video and you're kind of getting stuff second hand a little bit since you weren't there in that original process. So I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And like, I, I shouldn't, I'm not saying, I don't think anyone here is really saying unless they're like trying to be totally punk rock that like you should be fighting the man and like, <laughs> and like rocking out. Yeah. I see everyone throwing up some horns now, um, but fighting the man and like saying like, no, it's this way or that way. I do think even like, in the case where you're saying like a brand manager and demographics and things like that, like if you have experience with things, you should still bring that to the table or they should still want you to bring that to the table as they're hiring you. Like where it gets kind of tricky is like where they hire you and they're just kind of expecting you to get the work done and not taking your input into consideration. I think that's like where I have the most trouble with clients and not wanting to work with them again is you know, if, if they're hiring you to be an expert, let you be the expert and give your opinion and work together. Like not, like I said, not being punk rock and like saying, this is my way of the highway. Um, so like if there is a brand manager saying, well, when the, we look at these reports, the de demographics say this, but if you have experience already creating content for a certain demographic and you've had better results that they should work with you on that too. Just, just going with the demographic example. Um, Julie, I see you're back. Did you want to chime in at all now that you're back at a desk? See you scrambling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, can't hear you. I see you're unmuted. What happened? It's Zoom. How do you hear me? Oh, there you go. Cool. Yes, you okay. Power button. Um, I got this microphone with a really bright light on it. Anyway, yeah, um, I've been a little checked out, so I heard a lot of that and not all of it. <laughs> but um, what were you talking about about a, the family aspect or something? I kind of missed. Was it was it like um, 
like, hey, we're not just your coworkers, we're your family. Was that a thing that was Yeah, going? yeah, that was kind of like coming up in the chat a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it's funny, I've been on like two ends of that because kind of here at Boxford, we are family, but that's like by choice, you know? <laughs> I mean, we feel like family, but that's more like friends and stuff. So um, what I, I mean, it's cool to build your own. Okay, here's, yeah, here's the thing. It's cool when you build your own thing and like, hey, these are, this, these are my friends, these are my family. But I think what happens a lot of times, um, people do that with like when they start their company, like with their partners, you know, and like, yeah, this is our little family atmosphere. But the people that you hire as employees after that, like you can't just expect them to, to be the same. Like they weren't in it from like the ground up. They didn't, they didn't start build it with you. So I think that, that that's what happens with business owners, that that thought kind of continues. We're like, yeah, like this is my thing. Like, because like, I've, I've said this before where like, when someone starts a business, that's like the end of their career path or the plateau, right? This is the biggest thing they're going to do sometimes. But for someone that they hire, like this might be the start of their career path. So you can't expect that person to be as committed as you are when this is the thing you've built. And then like your employees, yeah, they're just not going to be as into it as you are. And I think that that's part of what happens. Um, so people get like offended with like when people aren't loyal or whatever, but they have to remember like, it's a totally different uh, situation for the people that you hire, you know? Um, Cause I've noticed that here in Detroit with some of the kind of the legacy studios that are kind of older, um, they'll be really offended when someone quits or something. And it's like, no, it's like they, you rented that person's time for for a few years. Like you get, you exchange, you gave them money. They gave you services. It's like, you don't own any part of them. You know, if they learn stuff and whatever, while they worked for you, um, they put the time in and did that. It's like, you didn't provide all that. You might've given them some training and stuff, which is nice, which is great. It was something you should do, you know, but it's not like, I don't know. It's not like a bank account where you deposit into that person and you own them. Like that's, that's just not a thing. So I think that, that, that those sort of attitudes are kind, kind of what get things all messed up. So yeah. it's hard though. If you, if you start a company and you like put a lot into it, of course you're going to want everyone to like, like it and respect it and to want to work there as much as you do. But I don't know. That's, 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 that's the key advice I give to anyone starting a studio is like, you really got to keep your ego in check and let go of that stuff. I think just to interrupt and drop something real quick, I'm good. Just treat people how you want to be treated yourself. That should take care of a lot of shit. <laughs> right? Like I would, I, I think so. That would be my, yeah, hope. it's in the Bible, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's it. I know like as companies scale and stuff, it's really hard to keep that, you know, company culture like rooted and, you know, however you want it. But I think talking about the whole family structure and, you know, or, or label, I should say, <clears throat> it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to actually prove it and do it. Like, you know, you can be a, a large company with a family culture. I came from a company. A company that is there's like 350 employees and you walk down the hall and you pretty much know everybody by the first name there's a lot of events that happen where you get to hang out you know share experiences and whatnot and I think like if you're the owner or whatnot and you're doing everything you can to keep that company culture and yeah people get frustrated that's just how it goes but like you can't just say it and then not do things to back that up. You know, like it's so easy to say, yeah, we're a family, but then like not listen or like, you know, if you're the creative director, you're, you have like a closed door policy, you know, like, no, you can't talk to me. I'm the creative director. Like, no, like everyone should be able to like interact with each other. I don't know. That's my two cents on that. Yeah, I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> um, it's because we've kind of been talking about the family thing for a minute. I was reading through the chat trying to catch up, and I my ADD kicked in. I got wrapped up in the chat. Um, I can jump yeah. in with something. Yeah. Yeah, hey, um, I was looking at the video, and if you scroll down, you can get to one of the, um, one of the comments really stood out for me. Um, 
it struck me as a little preposterous, but then also perhaps uh, pretty common thinking, which was, I'm going to paraphrase, but something along the lines of, well, you know, this is going to be hard for you to hear, but um, probably your ego was involved. Um, probably you were resentful of people getting promoted above you and uh, that led to your high expectations, that sort of thing in the comments. And um, it was really kind of self it was accusatory back to, uh, I think your name's Honey, uh, the person who made the video. And, um, and I thought it was super interesting because that commenter's perspective was um, like, that's the kind of perspective you're going to get from someone who is in the manager position who has the social capital, right? And just sort of saying, well, you know, put up or shut up. We, we gave you, you know, we gave you the buffet and you still couldn't find anything to eat. So, you know, you're off the island. And, you know, it's just, it's really harsh, absolutely harsh. I was wondering whether anyone else felt the same way about that comment or the video in general. Well, one, Cartoon Brew is notoriously terrible to people at times. <laughs> they, like, yeah. They, like, they've, they, their audience has never treated, especially, like, women very well. So I'm not surprised that there's, like, harsh comments down below. But I, I only saw the video through YouTube, so I, I didn't even – the Cartoon Brew link I just brought up. And this is definitely – gets kind of harsh in there. Um, yeah, I guess. What what was your question again? Because I, I got sidetracked with this, but I think you had a good question that I was going to answer. Well, it, it was just about the perspective of the people that she was maybe criticizing in the video. And she was saying, oh, well, you know, folks got promoted even though they didn't have the skills and they didn't work hard and they got promoted anyway. And then she had to do what they said. Um, basically there were commenters that were saying, you know what, they got promoted. Therefore they were more experienced. They got promoted. Therefore they were more skilled. Um, you need to t give your ego a back seat here. And I just sort of question the accuracy of that because it seems as though promotion is equivalent to how much social capital you have in the company, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily a measure of skill or hard work. And that's really the myth that, you know, thankfully she only took a few years to unearth that. But, you know, if you know about that going in, that social capital is how you get promoted, not hard work, then then your expectations are absolutely accurate, right? Yeah, totally. Um, that, like, I mean, I've experienced that too. Like, I've, I've definitely got booked on things because – I have been friends with people and figured out how to do the gig be like on, on the, on the gig, not because I was qualified for it at that moment, you know? So um, I think she's totally in the right there. I see Penny, you yeah. have your hand raised, so I'm going to let you jump in too. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> apologies to everyone. I referenced this one job in my career that was a very short time more than I probably should. But working at Rooster Teeth again, at these, these, these larger animation studios, the fandoms are insane. And so like, it's entirely possible that this commenter is like, you know, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this, this artist is, you know, prideful or whatever. Um, which seems like kind of an old world expression to use in general. But I, uh, when a bunch of when like half of my friends at that that place were fired and like you know abused during the like work cycle and all that um we a bunch of us uh i probably get sued for for including myself in this but put glass door reviews and you know and like talked about this stuff but we, we were very afraid of like speaking out but occasionally someone would speak out and we would just you know like like a tweet or something like that and the fans jumped on us like we were um, the villains, like ever, there was hundreds or thousands of comments of like, oh, this is this Glassdoor review or this, you know, tweet is probably just, you know, because this is a bitter artist that got fired. Probably like, it's incredible how many people out there, especially in that Cartoon Brew audience and expanding beyond, um, they know the celebrity names at these shops. They know the people that are higher up or they trust in the company. Like, 
like Disney is this incredibly huge corporate beast that owns a third of media in the world or something. And, uh, and yet people who love Disney just trust that it's, you know, the family friendly, like they love you. They're just trying to make good content. And so like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on her side just kind of naturally because it is so hard to speak out in the storytelling side of our industry and the animation industry and the video game industry, you get zero cred at all. And it, it like, there was a huge blow up over summer uh, about this. Um, And uh, thankfully one of the directors from one of the shows actually chimed in and that turned the entire tide because they, they just thought that literally 20, 30, 40 people employees that wrote like bad glass door reviews or whatever and spoke out against it. And people like talked to cartoon brew and like other podcasts to like tell their story anonymously. And uh, no one, no one ever believes you when you're an artist in that, in that world. I'm just throwing that out there just because sometimes these comments are like you, it is, you can't take them as in good faith all the time. That's all. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And, and Mark, you've got your hand raised, so go ahead and jump in too. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> and I guess this is kind of a question for Penny and anyone else who's kind of been in that world, but um, it's crazy that this woman posted the video. I mean, it's awesome, right? But essentially, would you say she just blacklisted herself from many of these shops or like studios and, you know, like she probably won't ever go work at Disney again, right? Probably not Disney, I mean, and maybe some of the bigger shops, but I mean, it, it depends. I guess like doing it to Disney is probably a, a, daring, a daring move, <laughs> <laughs> but just because of how prominent they are. But um, I do know someone who is blacklisted um, in Los Angeles uh, and it totally is incredible that that, that can happen. Um, mm-hmm. that's how, I know this person because that person moved here to work at Rooster Teeth and uh, you know what though? It kind of just doesn't sound like it's a job she wants to do anyways. Like she then yeah. opened her own shop. You know what? That's probably what she wants to do. Like she probably right. got sold. You know, she even said that, right? Like she got sold the dream of working for a big studio like that. And that's a certain type of person. You know, you really, I, I think anyone in this chat would probably go nuts uh, working on a feature, you know, or a, or a show like that. Right. Well, I did see uh, doing a little research on the artist that she's a graduate of Art Center. So I would imagine she's, um, let me double check that. I think so, but uh, trying to recoup some cost, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, she's probably yeah. got 120,000 in debt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, I think that also piggybacks into some of the schooling education topics that we've talked about, you know, like outside of just the cost and stuff, is it like certain dreams and certain, um, you know, like careers you're somewhat promised in a way, you know, quote unquote. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, Cause there's, there's a quote from her in the cartoon brew article it says the industry isn't always, or always, sorry, the industry isn't honest about all this. And it goes into, I just wish my school, the recruiters and the studio itself told me what I was walking into. So I kind of feel for her there, like, especially the, just the name art center and what that represents. So like she probably was really expecting that like when she leaves art center, it's going to be this great magical world. And, you know, they were probably painting this picture too, that like, yeah, because you're an art center alumni, you're going to have all these opportunities that other artists don't get. And the reality is when she got there, like, yeah, she had the opportunity to work for Disney with, which like a lot of people don't get that opportunity, but there was kind of this hidden veil of what, at what cost does that mean for her um, for the rest of her career? You know, that means that she's probably going to get shit on a little bit at being a junior and that she's going to have to like hustle to, to network and things like that, that she wasn't really expecting that she thought that her work would stand on her own, which a lot of us feel that way too, that our work should speak for itself. 
So, um, yeah, Julie, I see your hands raised if you want to chime in. Uh, I just raised my hand. I got to talk for a second. <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm, I'm unmuted. Okay. Yeah. Um, what you're just saying, we kind of touched on that a little bit last week. Um, how, like, it is unfair. Like, you go to, like, a school like that, that like Art Center that costs a lot of money, but you don't really get, um, you get an advantage as far as, like, knowledge, but you do not get an advantage as far as, like, a leg up necessarily. Like, you still have to put in the same amount of work and, like, hustle and, like, networking as anyone else does, you know, who doesn't go to a college. Um, and it's, like, I wonder if schools, I mean, I'm just, um, you know, trying to uh, imagine what they think, but I wonder if they're, like, reluctant to say that because it, it makes, it's almost like bad publicity for them to say that, like, to be too honest, like, because they want people to know, like, hey, it's worth it. You're spending your money for a reason here. So, like, that's kind of, it's kind of yucky, but I think that's what happens. Yeah, and, like, I don't think it's just our industry either, because I have, like, I, I went to design, I, I went to a liberal arts school, but I got a degree in design, and I have a bunch of friends that years later, they still haven't found it either a good entry-level job or or the jobs that they have found they're very unsatisfied with so um i think there is a lot of that with like this college bubble that's happening in america where like they don't want to tell kids the hardships that go along with it but i also think there's like a little bit of that in like god i fucking hate being lumped in with millennials but like just growing up in like the like 80s and 90s like schools and parents and like they kind of did a shitty job with us of like saying like you're going to be able to do whatever you want with your life and if you think it and dream it you're going to be able to do that and like colleges are kind of perpetuating that a little bit by not like giving some truths out there of like you need to network you need to put in hard work it's not just gonna magically happen because that's your dream you know um so there, there is a little bit of that. And I'm not saying this woman is in the wrong of that at all. I, I totally get her side, but um, I think there's also like a little bit of a generational thing going on there too. And yeah, Penny, parents are the worst. Um, so anyway, like we've had so many like crazy tangents on this. Oh yeah, go ahead, Mark. You want to chime in with something else? Yeah, just one thing I think, and this might help wrap it up too. Us as creatives, like, we put so much passion and effort and everything into our work to have someone come with like no experience or to like just up in the rank and file, whatever title it is and giving feedback or like killing your shot that you've been work working on. Like it's like that emotional attachment to your work because we are creatives, you know, like we, we definitely put our all into things. And when someone with no experience comes in and just like kind of slaps it, you're like, I don't know. It just, I think it makes you just feel like real shitty. And that's probably like what stems a lot of the frustration as creatives in like corporate environments or in environments where you have to kind of sit in a rank, you know? So <laughs> that's all I got to say. Uh, Penny's really all about the millennials <laughs> in the chat. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably where a lot of this stems from too. And like, you know, we're all creative, so we understand that sometimes you, you just gotta roll with the punches a little bit when you get feedback. So um, we are past 11, so I'm just gonna throw it out there. Does anyone else have anything they wanna chime in on with this before I start rolling links and wrapping this thing up? Seeing head shakes and stuff, so all right. Um, let's start rolling out some of this stuff. So Mark, did you add hair love into this or was that me? I'm just senile. You added it. I think you added it. Yeah, I added it cause it won the Academy Award for sh animation short. And I just watched it last night. It's awesome. It's um, called hair love made by Sony animation studios. There we go. Or at least they, they're the ones that posted it. Yeah, so I haven't, man, I was really bad about keeping up with the Oscars this year. Um, so I just posted the link in chat there and people can watch the video. Um, but so it won best short or best animated overall, did you say, Mark? 
Uh, best animated short. It's only like six minutes long. Sweet. Um, but yeah, it's got like 21 million views or something like that on, on the YouTubes. Nice. But very well-made. So watch it. Nice. Um, really quickly, and I'll add this to our links, uh, Brad just said half res announced the save the date which they're changing it this year which is uh it's going to be on a friday and i'll really quickly look up the date i think it's september or yeah september 18th i was gonna say 20th but 18th um so you can sign up to get notified and everything there now um i'm pretty happy with them moving it to a friday that will make travel much easier and if people want to stay around chicago and hang out um, it's just much better than a Wednesday. Next up, we've got uh, Isaac Tarks on the Collective Podcast. If you don't know Isaac, he's kind of been up and coming the last like year. He's like kind of, he's not like green knowledge wise, but he's just so pretty new to the industry, but he's just been like taking off. Um, he spoke at Seagraph last year for uh Maxon and he's got a new short for Star Wars coming out that he worked on with Ash Thorpe and why he's on the collective podcast. I haven't listened to it. It like came out moments before we went live with the call. Um, but it, I think it's like three and a half hours long. If I recall like a super, super long one, uh, three hours and 23 minutes. So if you've got a nice commute or something or whatever, there's there's a good chunk of your day to listen to something. Um, Mark, you also put in here Motion Plus Design Talks. Yeti did a presentation. Yeah, Yeti Pictures. Uh, I, well, I should backtrack and say Motion Plus Design, I think, released all their talks from the 2019 Tokyo stop that they had, which was a couple months ago. And Yeti Pictures did a talk, and there's some other ones as well. Um, I haven't watched it, but I know everything I have watched from motion plus design conferences in the past are really good. So definitely check it out. Sweet. And then, um, I see you also put in this cinematography lighting. Yeah. So this kind of came across through one of the Patreons I follow. And essentially it's just, uh, it's a video about lighting, uh, like cinematography lighting with, um, flags and um, different, you know, like techniques that cinematographers use for like shadow control and stuff like that. So again, you know, trying to look outside of actual animation, more of like uh, what a DP or a, a gaffer might be um, doing. So check it out. Sweet. Yeah. I, I'm pretty certain um, Mr. Aryev is working on a lighting course. I've heard whispers of that, like a, a 3D digital uh, DP lighting course. So I'm, I'm always interested in this because I feel like I can totally be better at it. So I'll definitely take a look at that. Um, new just got announced. Well, I don't know if it's just got announced, but it's like been blowing up this week is Shot Deck. Um, if you haven't heard of that, it is a new tool for curating shots from movies. It's kind of like Pinterest meets film is the best way I can think of describing it. Um, they have a rolling open beta now. So you sign up and it seems like people get into the beta within a couple of days, but it seems really interesting. So uh, it will tell you all the camera specs and like if it was a mid shot, tight shot, wide, what camera was used, what kind of lens was used, all this stuff. So if you are going to be going on a shoot, you can have all that information if you're trying to recreate a look. I think that's also pretty valuable for 3D artists since we have to deal with cameras as well. Um, so just pretty interesting tool. I haven't had a chance to sign up for the beta, but know a couple people that have gotten into it and um, seems pretty interesting. And we've got a ton of links <laughs> this week. So next we have uh, The Strokes. The band has a new music video out called At The Door, which I just threw into the chat. Uh, it's very much like late 80s uh, cell animation style. I, uh, I think School of Motion had shared the link as well, and they kind of described it as like the secrets of Nim um, a little bit, kind of looking like that. But really great, cool song. Uh, I, I think it kind of reminds me of like those old Daft Punk music videos from like the early 2000s. Um, if you ever saw those and their music videos, just very... 
very story driven and matching the song. So it's, it's really good. Yeah. Tori, you said it's so good. I, I, I'm very much blown away by the level of creativity with that. Um, oh, wait, did I share the wrong link? I didn't put it in the chat. Did I, I think I doubled up on my links for a second. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Thanks Tori for putting that in the chat. Uh, the next one I have is less is more by ordinary folk. And it's for this company, Techless, and that's just beautiful. I don't know if it's all 2D, but there's definitely like some 2D, 3D trickery and um, just fun to look at and inspirational. And it's very monochromatic as well, um, which is always very pleasing to the eye at times, if it's done well. But um, that's really great to watch. I'm going to just start powering through these so we don't talk for 20 minutes on links. Final Fantasy VII Remake is coming out. They just released their opening title, which is really beautiful. So if you're a fan of video games and Final Fantasy VII, um, which everyone should be because it's such a great story that uh, the remake titles just look beautiful. We already talked about why the storyboard artist left her job. So I won't throw that link in the chat again. Um, as we all know, Cavalry has been rolling out and there's actually now a freebie from hold frame um, which is kind of a nice introduction into cavalry as well just a nice simple scene and it's free so you can open it up and see how things are built and kind of get your beak wet also cavalry has been doing um, some really nice tutorials as well to get people into that um, man, I put this in so long ago that I kind of forget about what it was, but there's these new Redshift benchmarks that just came out that people have been sharing. Um, if you're trying to find new hardware, it's a nice little catalog of results. And last thing is there's this company, uh, Eon Software, that is putting out uh, a 3D plant catalog or directory where you can download a bunch of plants and foliage and things like that, that can round out your, uh, I guess, 3D asset library if you need plants and are making scenes and all of that. So um, yeah, that that's it for links for me. I added one more, I added one more. Can you oh, see it? Yeah, I see it, hold on. Um, and then Penny, is she still here? No, she walked away. Well, she's still here, but she's not in the room. Penny worked on the Birds of Prey titles. Um, so that's there, which is, they look really awesome. Uh, the main on ends. So give that a watch if you haven't had a chance to see that. I still haven't gone to see the movie. So um, hopefully I can go do that this week. I'm going to try and sneak away and catch it because it sounds good. It's getting pretty, pretty good reviews. All right, that's it. That's it for links. That was a lot of links. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eight. 13 links this week. Ugh. All right. Um, so yeah. As always, thanks everybody for joining this week's call. You can find us on social media platforms just by doing a search for Monday Meeting. Audio for the calls are posted each week on your app of choice, Spotify, Overcast, all those gets distributed to pretty much all the main ones. And then if you ever want the show notes or wanna find information on previous meetings, you can just head over to mondaymeeting.org and we have it all posted there. So yeah, thanks everybody and uh, have a great week. We'll see you next week.